Welcome back, my dear friends, to another episode of Unboxing Judaism. My name is Rabbi Arya Wolby. And I'm Rabbi Yaakov Nagel. It is great to be here. It's been a bit of a hiatus, but it's awesome. It's great to be back. And this is our first podcast since since Pesach. And uh, a couple of things have changed. Firstly, we have this new desk here, a new setup, so it's easier for us to be recording here in our Studio B at the Torch Center. Uh, but also, I just got LASIK yesterday. If you notice, I don't, I'm not wearing my glasses, so I see mostly what's going on, but very exciting. We should all be Zaycha, we should all merit to always see good things and use our eyes for the right things. Amen. So Rabbi Nagel, yesterday was Yom Atzmaut, the Day of Independence for the State of Israel. It's the arbitrary 75. day chosen, chosen by, uh, the leaders of the, of the country. But, uh, it's, it's also sort of a, a point of controversy. We mentioned previously one of our previous episodes about, you know, Zionism, whether or not we are Zionists or not Zionists, anti-Zionists, pro-Israel, anti-Israel. And I think we've come to a conclusion that we're all Zionists while also being simultaneously anti-Zionists. And the reason we mentioned then is because you know, the original founders, what they intended for the state of Israel was very different than what is proper Jewish values. They didn't want it to be a Jewish state with halacha, with Torah, with mitzvahs. They wanted it to be a cultural state. Today, thank God, we're way beyond that. We have an amazing, amazing country, an amazing state that is thriving with Torah in every corner, in every city, in every village. It really is amazing. It is the first time this past Shemitah was the first time that the majority of the properties in Israel were keeping the Shemitah, the sabbatical. It's an unbelievable thing that our land is so holy. So my question to you is, what is our perspective and what should be our perspective? You know, I, I just one other thing in introduction is that I saw a video and it saddened me to my core. A group of people dressed in sackcloth, walking through the streets and saying that this land, this land of Israel, we should be mourning, uh, it, and it's, it's, it's devastating, and this is not our, our, our land. So that puts a damper on everything. And, it, you know, it's a day of celebration. It's a day of unbelievable gratitude to the Almighty. But not everyone sees it like that. So how, do we, how should we be looking at this day? So it's very interesting. I just recently heard a friend of mine sent me a recording of my uh, Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Kalman Epstein. And, uh, he said his, his, his first intro to this topic, we spoke about Yom Atzmut in general. And it was like right before Yom Atzmut a couple of years ago. And he was saying it's interesting is that you have the people on the extremes. You have the extreme one direction, which are just look at it as a very, very sad time. And they're very, very angry about the whole experience. And then there's people who are elated and messianic in their eyes. And they're just, uh, and it's very interesting how the people who are on either extreme, they both remember that Yom Ha'atzmaut. It's the people who fall in between that somehow are like, understand that there are some positives, there are some less than positives. And it's the guys in the middle that are like, sort of just like ignore it, you know, without giving it a, a really proper focus and without really 
delving into and thinking about it. Um, so that's kind of like an interesting observation of just like, you know, growing up, I guess for me, growing up in America, I would say just, it wasn't like a, a big deal. Like I didn't grow up in a very Zionistic community. And I, you know, so like, you know, Eretz Yisrael was just like, it was Eretz Yisrael, but we didn't really, it wasn't like a, a thing, you know, we maybe went to the Israeli Day Parade just because it was a thing to go to. Like it was like something to do. But I kind of don't recall like being like a, a big deal. I guess that's just where, how I grew up. Um, <laughs> till we moved to Houston, I don't even think, I, growing up, I grew, we grew up a block away from each other in New York. I don't think I ever knew there was such a day. <laughs> okay. I mean, forget in yeshiva, it was never ever mentioned. I don't even recall there being such a day. And, and it's another question is whether or not there should be or shouldn't be. And I think we, throughout this podcast, hopefully we'll be able to uh, open this up and unbox this issue because, you know, I was just listening yesterday. My rabbi, Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz, gave a, a shear on this. He gave a class on this. And one of the things he says, he says, we get lost in all of the politics and we get lost in all of the opinions. Issues. He says, do you realize that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our leader, prayed 550 prayers to enter into the land of Israel? Why? Because he wanted to come to the land of Israel. The Chavetz Chaim, an amazing thing. The Chavetz Chaim writes, he brings from every single source in Halacha, every single source, source in the Talmud, every single source in Kabbalah, in the Kabbalistic writings. He brings every single source that has to do with speaking negatively, Lashon Hara, slander about another person. The only thing the Chavetz Chaim omits is Dibas Haaretz, which is an entire, uh, an entire portion that we have in Parsha Shlach, where the Jewish people send the spies into the land of Israel, and they come back and they say negative things about the land of Israel, which is a biblical commandment to say something negative against the land of Israel. It's Not a to. biblical commandment to say something negative. You say something negative, you're over. It's it, you're you're transgressing. you're transgressing a biblical prohibition of saying something negative. Even according to some, he brought the exact source. If you say that the weather in Israel isn't good, it's dibas haaretz. You're, you're committing a biblical transgression. Unbelievable. Chavetz Chaim didn't write anything about that. Why? He says, to think that somebody would say negative about the land of Israel? Impossible. Nobody would ever say that. Nobody would ever say. He says that his great-grandfather, who was a big rabbi in Poland, once got a hold of a an esrog. Now, I mean, it's a custom that people bring their esrog before the holiday of Sukkot, they bring their esrog to the rabbi and the rabbi should look at it and the rabbi blesses it and blesses them. He once got hold of a esrog from the land of Israel. He held it and he cried for hours. He cried for hours. He's holding an esrog that grew in the land of Israel. It's an unbelievable thing. I think that is overlooked. It's overlooked that we have the most cherished land the holiest land. It says that the stones in the land of Israel are heavier than the stones outside of Israel. They're both stones. What's the, what's the difference? But one carries a whole different holiness to it. One carries an entirely different holiness to it. And additionally, he says that there is a different topography. I think that's the right word. For each fruit, vegetable that you want to grow. If you want to grow grapes, there's a certain 
place that it's best for it to grow there. There's a certain place that it's best to grow uh, bananas and certain certain uh, the the atmosphere, the environment, the t- the temperature, the 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 soil. Says the, the land for spiritual growth is Eretz Yisrael. We all know, at least myself. I don't know about you, Rabbi Nagel. When I went to Israel, there was a lot of improvement needed. There still is, but when you come to the land of Israel, it just opens up the doors of spirituality. It opens up the doors of of connection and elevation, and and you become a different person. So, to to minimize Israel, quote quote unquote into the argument of whether or not there's Yom Ma'ud or not, or whether we observe it, or whether we say Halal or not, is I think is is taking away and, 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 and making small of something which is so awesome and incredible. I'm sorry I stole the mic. No, it's interesting. You're reminding me. My, my great-grandfather, so this is going back, I guess, I don't know. I, I lived to see him, so he died somewhere in the 70s. But... uh uh, so I don't know what year it was, but he, when he was like, when he was 70 years old, he went to Israel and he came home with dirt, just dirt from Israel because he wanted to be buried with some, surrounded by the dirt of Israel. That's a, a sensitivity that we just, just, we don't appreciate, we don't recognize, but that's the kind of appreciation that existed, you know, for generations, for millennia, Jews. Appreciated that the Gona Vilna wanted to come to Israel. The Rambam wanted to come to Israel. You see, the the Baal Shem Tov wanted to come. You see, the, the our sages, the leaders of the Jewish people, would do anything to come to Israel. The Chavetz Chaim tried to come to Israel, and we know that uh, I think it was Rabbi Yona, uh, the Ramban. They did make it to Israel, and they were murdered there. So it, it's it's unbelievable that. Israel's not a very easy place. It's a, you know, we see this week's parsha. We see how many times the Torah says, be holy and you'll get the land. You're not holy, vatokia or it's a psalm. The land will spit you out. It's not like any other land. When we, there's a different type of relationship with the land of Israel that there is, you know, you go to Arizona. Okay. So it's, it's very nice. But what they, they, there's no innate holiness in the land in Arizona. But in the land in Eretz Yisrael, there's Kedusha, there's Kedusha in the land, there's holiness in the land. And I, yeah, I want to share with you an, another interesting observation. It's just a personal observation. I, I did merit to study in Israel. Um, for the record, we, we studied a block away from each other, also in Israel, <laughs> in, Israel, in right. Gavach Shaul. Right. I don't know if it was the same year as I'm a few years older, but, uh, what, but when I was studying there, I just, you know, going, if I would go home for the holidays, I realized I would like walk in the streets of Jerusalem and I realized that there's something like a clarity of what's your purpose in life that exists in the air. You can breathe it. You can feel it. It's not as confusing as the rest of the world where it's so hard to find what you're here for. What's the world all about? Is something in the air. There's an expression, Avir da Ara Hakima. The, the air in the land makes you smarter. It's clarity, gives you clarity. That's what I actually, on a p- very personal level, felt just being there and studying there. So the point being is, is that just to get, this is really the core question. Talking about the country, the, the government, and it's, it's interesting. I think as time goes on, 
the the argument, people are just thinking that it's the old argument that that, it, that there always was. There are people who are so pro the government, who all of a sudden are very against the government. There's people who are so who are so against the government, are all of a sudden pro the government. Everything changed all of a sudden, and you know what? I think that people, if they only had a little bit of perspective, they would realize that they just flipped their sides completely. And it's just so subtle and you don't realize it. But like all of a sudden the government decides to like, oh, let's change the, the judicial system, switch it around. And then all those people who are so pro the government are saying, oh, the government's terrible. It's the worst. And then, you know what I'm saying? It's like there was such a, they swap sides very conveniently. Very right. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating to me. Like nobody's sitting there and listening to their own, uh, what their mouth is saying and what, you know, the very same thing that they vilified the other side for a minute ago, they're all of a sudden is that that's what they're saying. And it's fascinating. It's not, to me, it's a good sense of humor, actually, if you like think about how the world, how perspectives affect how you see things. I think this whole concept of the holiness of the land, it's called Eretz HaKodesh, the land of holiness or the holy land. It, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. You don't have this on any other land. It's, it's obvious now why it's the most disputed piece of real estate in the world. There's no place on earth, you know, Sudan. I don't think there are many people fighting over the land in Sudan. You know, there might be a war, but it's war over the, the resources, Funny. perhaps, but I, <laughs> Israel is was a barren land. There was nothing there, right? And I think the the overall the blessing that Israel has seen in the last seventy five years since its, its establishment has been nothing short of remarkable. It, to see the agriculture, to see the technology, to see the development. I mean, I was there. You were there last year. I was there. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I was. And merited to be there multiple times this year. And I asked one of my cab drivers, he says to me, I said to him, what do you think about all this construction? He says, don't you understand? He says, we're preparing the roads for Mashiach. We're preparing the roads for Mashiach. He says, everywhere is construction. Wherever you look is construction because guess what? All the Jewish people are coming from Houston. They're going to come from California. They're going to come from Argentina. They're going to come from all over the world. They're going to come and move to Israel and move to, to Yerushalayim. We have to have roads ready for them. He says that's why this construction going on in rapid pace. It's unbelievable. The success. There's no country on planet Earth, not one, that has developed as quickly as Israel has. In 75 years, it is a... <laughs> It's just unbelievable. You have another city and another city and another city. Every mountain is another city being developed. And you have tens of thousands of residents moving in at, at a rapid pace. It's just unbelievable. You don't, it's supernatural. It's not a land that follows the laws of nature. So I think that my Rebbe is right. I, I, he doesn't need my approval, obviously, but every day is a Yomatzmaut. It's not Yomatzmaut only on Hey Yar because that's when the leaders of the state of Israel decided that that's the day we celebrate and we'll fly planes in the years, in the year. But I think it's, it's, it's our independence day every single day when we realize that we can serve Hashem and that we can learn and pray and serve Hashem without the threat of annihilation. That's an unbelievable blessing. I mean, that, that you could walk to the Kotel 
and you can daven, it's the most miraculous thing. I remember many years ago, I was studying in Israel, and this was like a hot topic that was discussed in yeshiva, and we had to, we heard from our Rosh Yeshiva about this topic. And he said, so somebody quoted, uh, somebody was a little more pro the government, and he said, there's a quote from a Rav Chaim, uh, Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, that when at the signing of the Balfour Declaration, that there should be a Jewish state of Israel, that was a smile from God. And he's like, how do we reconcile that with the attitude of some of the right-wingers who are against the government? If if their own leaders, Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, uh, the, the head of the Brisk dynasty, was stating that that it is a smile from God. So Marishiva said that it's very important to recognize that the world runs on like two planes. There's the surface plane, which is, you know, there's a lot of people who are involved in the government in its early stages who are very anti-Jewish in certain ways, anti-Judaism, and there were, there were actually communists, many of them. Point being, though, is, is that God saw what they were doing, and bottom line is, they built a country, they they established, they planted, they did a lot of things, and he's and God is smiling. You know why he's smiling? Because he knew a little bit in the future there's going to be hundreds of people, thousands of people studying in the land of Israel, which never would have happened if not for the fact. So as much as they were against and against and against, and that's not what they wanted, and that's not what their goal was, God saw the big picture, and I, and he saw that this country is going to be full of Torah. It's going to be all over. You're going to have a conversation with a cab driver, and he's going to give you chizuk about <laughs> they're preparing for Mashiach. Okay, that's what Israel is like. Only in Israel, there's so many things that you say. Well, that's only in Israel. Something like that happens. And the bottom line is, the land itself is going to have an effect. Sometimes it's not immediate, but the reality is, is that people. People grow there. They become more connected to God, more connected to God. And that's what's going to happen, and it's inevitable. And as much as you want to fight it and you try to use your power of choice to go against it, it may work for you, but by the time your kids come around, it's going to seep in somehow, and they're going to change. They're going to, they're going to, grow more open, the Balchuva movement, all these people who grew up completely secular open up their eyes and they want something more. They're connecting. I don't know the numbers, but that's what the power of the, like you say, the power of the sanctity of this land has an effect. And the government is going to have to re- reflect that eventually, which is where we are right now. That's what's going on. That uh, the people, the will of the people is that that we actually, yeah, no, we don't want a, a anti-religious government. We don't want that. That's an amazing. That's a, whether whatever is right or wrong is not the question. What the reality is is that there's an effect that the land is having on its people to bring us closer to God. That's what it is. You know, it says Eretz Hashem Hashem the land that God's eyes gazes at it. And if you look, why does God gaze at the land of Israel? Because it's, first is you have every type of 
topography. We have desert. We have, you know, rainforests. Mountains. You have the mountains. You have the skiing, the uh, snow, snow-capped mountains in the Hermon. You have every type of, uh, of, of terrain in Israel. It's the most unbelievable thing. You have the lowest place in the world, the Dead Sea. You have the highest place in the world, Jerusalem. You have, uh, the, you know, anything you can possibly imagine you have in the land of Israel. But also in the personalities, and it's such an amazing thing that you see Jews from all over the world. You see Jews from France and Jews from from uh, Morocco and Jews from Tunisia and Jews from from Persia and Jews from Turkey and Jews from I mean you name the place from France from England from from New York from everywhere in the world coming kibbutz galuyot and this is what we pray for every single day. God should bring us from all four corners of the land and we see it now happening in front of our eyes. It, 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 you know when when I come to Israel I'm just on a high I'm just on a high because I'm like. Look, this is my brother, and there's my brother, and there's my brother, and my sister, and my and another. And it's like these are all these are our brothers and sisters that are coming from all over the world, including from Russia, including from from Ukraine. You you name the place, the Jewish people are coming to the land of Israel, and God is always looking at this land, right? The Eretz Asher Tamid, God is always looking at this land. God desires this land for it to be observed properly. And I'll tell you, in my last trip. I merited to go all the way up to Nahariya. Nahariya is all the way north, northern Israel. Guess what? They have yeshivas. They have cheders, little for, for school children. They have yeshivas for high school, yeshivas for post high school, kolels. Every street corner, you have another synagogue. It is unbelievable. Wherever you go in the land of Israel, there's Torah being established there. You go to the Mir Yeshiva, which is in the center of Jerusalem, you have 10 Thousand students sitting and learning Torah. It is unfathomable. What? You're talking about you're talking about Mir in Jerusalem. I was when I went to study there this this uh, just this past winter Thanksgiving time. I went with my son. It was an unbelievable trip. Loved it. And uh, I went to Tel Aviv because my my sister was there, and I was amazed. There's plenty of Torah in Tel Aviv as well. The shuls. Had an early mincha, the shuls had shiurim. They asked me to speak. There's a will to learn everywhere. It's coming. It's coming. It's all over. It's all over. You know, part of my trip, my friend and I, we went to visit Rabbi Laser Brody in Ashdod in his house. We were in his in his studio, and we went to see where he writes his books. And it was just an amazing, an amazing. And then we went to the beach to uh, to do his bodedus. It was absolutely remarkable. But for Mincha, we went to Davin with the Melitzer Rebbe in his small little shul. And there you had Hasidim with, 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 with the long payas, with the, with the colorful, with the, with the shiny, uh, long coats. And then you had one guy, a Sephardi guy with a kipasru guy. You had another guy who put on, you know, just a, a piece of cloth on his, and another guy with payas like this and payas like that and a yamaka like this and a yamaka like that. Everyone from so many different backgrounds. But we're all davening to the same God. And I, I turned around and I was like, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. It's like we don't have to look like each other. We don't even have to vote like each other. We don't have to have the same beliefs in, uh, you know, society, in culture, but we have the same connection to the Almighty. And I think that that's the bottom line is that we're getting lost in all of the politics and we're getting, you know, all of the, the, uh, the, uh, 
class warfare. We're all children of one father. Right? It's like the, like the tribe said when they came to Pharaoh. Right? We're just, we're, we're children of one father. That's what we are as brothers and sisters. We may have different stripes and we may have different, it's like, it's like the Ronald Reagan, not to compare between holy and unholy. He said that there's an 11th commandment for the Republicans and that is you, a Republican should not attack another Republican. I say in Judaism should be like that. You know what? You don't have to think the same way. You, but never attack another Jew. You never attack another Jew. They're, 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 wherever they come from, they may have different customs. It's fine. It's beautiful. We all say the same Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. We all have the same God. We all have the same Creator, and we have to overcome those differences, regardless of what our beliefs are on Yom Atzmaut, regardless of what our beliefs are and who we should vote for. We have to recognize that we have one Torah and we have one God that unites us and that that needs to be our ultimate goal is to connect however we can and whatever way means the most to us. Yeah, there's some people who like a little bit more of a Hasidic twist. Some people like a little bit more of a Kabbalistic twist. Some people like a little bit of a Lithuanian twist. It's fine. It's Elu Ve'elu Divrelikim Chaim. Whatever connects you is what you should do. But don't be distanced from one, one another in the process. There's a, there's a Talmudic passage that describes um, the future, the Asid level in the future. And God is going to sit in the center and there's going to be a bunch of rabbis, all his, all, all the rabbis sitting around him in a, in a circle. And they'll all be pointing, Zekeli Bamvil, this is my God. And, uh, so there's a, a thought that I just find connected. All those rabbis are pointing, but if you look, they're pointing all in different directions. <laughs> okay. But they're all pointing to one God. How does that work? Cause it goes by where you're standing. Because right, God is going to be sitting in the middle and everyone's going to be in a circle in around. A circle, right. So they're pointing everywhere. Everyone, yeah, wait, he's pointing this way, he's pointing that way. Yeah, but you have to realize they're standing in different places. And therefore, it doesn't mean that they're arguing even. That's how it works with Elu of Elu, that each one has, is the word of God. You have to recognize that people are coming from different places. Their stands from different places. Another, this is part of what I believe is the part of the issue. People are still stuck in how their, the old disputes were, that the whole dispute is moved to a different arena, different, they're not thinking about how that was then. Let's, you know, they're, they're, the world moves, the world moves. People, it's not a static circumstance. And I think that's a very big part of what, why, you know, People just need to think, open their eyes, see a bigger picture of what's, what the land of Israel has able, has done. Even with, yeah, there's a government that was in many ways anti-religious. You're right. But look what happened. Look at the big picture. And, you know, it's okay to have some hakara satov, some appreciation of the good. Intentional or not, that's not the point. But the fact of the matter is that I'm able to go to a country and study there. That it wouldn't have done so without as easily, for sure. That's something to be appreciative for. We thank the Almighty above. It's my perspective. It's an amazing, an amazing responsibility that we have. That 
to make sure that even if we have a different perspective, so you know, the common question I get is like, Rabbi, come on, how many Hasidic types do we need? I mean, you have Babov and Munkach and Satmar and Skver and, 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 and you name it. I mean, we have probably have a thousand different Hasidic dynasties. Each one is rooted in unbelievable relationships to the, uh, Baal Shem Tov. Some are, are son after son after son from, from, from the Baal Shem Tov. Some are a relative, a nephew, a cousin, but all stem from unbelievable dynasties. You talk about the Lithuanian world. You have the Ponovich and you have the Slabotka and you have all of these different styles. Why do we need so many different types? Why can't we just be one? So there are a couple of things. First, I need to, I need to address that when the Jewish people were in the desert, there were 12 different tribes. Not only there were 12 different tribes, there were 12 different leaders, each one of the tribes. And there was also 12 different flags. It's a normal thing for everyone to feel a connection to their own identity. Everyone wants to feel unique and special. But what I want to point out is I think very, very important is that although you have so many different types of Jews, they're only valuable if and when they're observant of the same Torah. When, you know, you imagine you have all these different Hasidic dynasties. One says to put your payas like this and put your payas like that and put your payas up and put your payas like this. This one has this type of yamka, that time again. But they all agree that you need to have payas. They all agree that you need to wear a yamaka. They all agree that you need to eat kosher. They all agree that you need to keep Shabbos. No one is disputing any of those. They're just... In what way can we make it even more special? Now, I want to contrast that for a second, that if there's a movement that is declaring a desecration of the Shabbos, what does that have to do with Judaism? You're saying, oh, it's, it's okay. You have all these different dynasties, and you also have people who don't agree with Judaism. We, we, where's that place? People who don't believe that the Torah was given at Mount Sinai? And that we're obligated by the commandments of the Torah, what role does that play in Judaism? I don't think it has any. You know, they all agree in prayer being the exact prayers that the Anshe Knesset, the members of the Great Assembly, established. No one changes it. The same prayer that you have in an Ashkenaz synagogue, you'll have in a Sephardic synagogue, you have one or two words off. But to start changing things, that's to me, I, I, you know, it's like, it's okay if you have little nuances that enhance your way of reflecting your prayer. But to change the prayer, nobody has the audacity to do that. And that's what I think as a caution. Yes, it's very good for everyone to have their own style. Everyone, you can wear this type of jacket, you can wear that type of hat, this type of yarmulke, this type of, of payas, this type of shoes. It doesn't make a difference. Hashem loves all of them, but they have to be it has to be with the intention that we're serving Hashem, not that we're serving ourselves, and how do we fit God into it? That's, uh, well said. So my dear friends, Yom Ha'atzma'ot have an amazing Israeli Independence Day, whether it's today, Even today, when it's yesterday, whatever day of the year it is, we should all never ever stop appreciating and loving the fact that Hashem, and appreciating that Hashem gave us our land. It's our land for us to enjoy and not to take for granted that it's the place where we're supposed to grow and connect to Hashem. Amen. All right. All right. Thank you very, very much, Great. my dear friends. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email us at unboxing at torchweb.org. Unboxing at torchweb.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, thank you, right. my dear friends. Thank you.